done. Warning. The program you're about to hear is absolutely filthy and thoroughly disgusting. Furthermore, listening to it will immediately turn you into a bottom. Bottom. Listen, when, when it's messy, it's a problem for everyone in the room. Correct. All ten of them. I'm proud to declare the Adam Sank Show and his ass open to the wind. Ass open to the wind. This is fuckery. <laughs> this is all fuckery. <laughs> fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. Powered by DNR Studios. And now, give a warm round of applause to my friend and yours, Adam Sank. <laughs> And here I am. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show, ladies and gentlemen. We are back live, if you're listening live, at 11 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, August 27th, 2022, at dnrstudios.com or the DNR Cast app, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. Leave us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. Call and speak to us live on the Ass Hotline. That number is 804-TALK-ASS. Somebody was just threatening the other day to call in live for the first time, and I said, go for it. I can't remember who he was. But if you're listening, man, call in. Like the Facebook page. Get your ass merchandise. There's a brand new item in the ass uh, merchandise store. It's uh, a quote of mine that is, uh, I'm taking this whole monkeypox thing very seriously. Until this crisis is over, I'm only blowing straight men. You can buy that on a tank top, a T-shirt, a mug, a sticker. It's all available at adamsank.com. Uh, please get vaccinated and boosted for everything. And here on the ass, we stand with Ukraine. Uh, we have a very, very exciting uh, couple of guests today. They are On and Dave McHile. I hope I'm saying their name right. Um, on is a social media superstar. He's got over 2 million Instagram followers. He's a, a model, an actor, a reality show star. He uh, started his own underwear line called MO Underwear. Dave is his husband and partner. Um, they they work together on the underwear company and on On's Instagram page. You're probably thinking, like, so what? Well, wait till you hear their stories. They both have incredible and surprising stories that you're going to hear only here on the Adam Sank Show. But first, it's time for me to welcome back everyone's favorite chubby chorizo, America's favorite angel. <laughs> Thank you so much. Steve Cesaro. Thank you. You thought I was going to say cum slut, <laughs> but I said angel. You know, given the time that I spent waiting to be America's favorite cum dump, monkeypox is now, I am fully vaccinated, so my ass is up, it is open to the wind, ass stick it in, here I am. Here I am. Good for you, Steve. But uh, it's nice to be back. Uh, good to see you as always. Also with us again, as always, is the queen of fuckery, JB Bercy, our producer. Hola, como estas? Uh, Bieni too, JB. Oh, that's all I got. Okay. I this know, has see, been your and... Spanish lesson for yeah. today. How about how many Spanish words do you know for penis? Uh, oh my God! Isn't it pinga? Pinga's one. Okay. There's verga, which oh, means so vulgar. like the vein. Oh. <laughs> verga is like the most vulgar thing you could say when you say penis. It's, Pito, yeah, like which means whistle, right? Uh, yeah. Give my, us some more, Steve. Pipi. El pipi. <laughs> that one's so like it's, right, it's, it's like a baby. It's what your parents say. You're like, no, they talk about pipi. You're like, oh, I'm not touching myself, mom. <laughs> what else? Uh, that's the only ones I know. <laughs> My uh, Spanish only goes as far as uh, a greeting and many, many curse words. Oh, there you go. Yeah. This is, see, the Adam Sank Show is educational as well as entertaining. <laughs> this has been your Spanish lesson for today. Yes. Um, oh, let's talk quickly about the um, podcast awards. Why is the fanfare always the one thing I can't find on this fucking board? It should be green. Horse neighing, cookie monster, sad trombone, gay blowjob, crickets chirping. It's not green. Oh, it's not green? Mm-mm. All right, I'll have to change this color. Oh, here it is. It's red. It's red. Time is running out for you to vote for us for a podcast award. That's if you were a nominator and if you were chosen. Those are two very conditional statements. If you were chosen to vote, make sure you vote. Go to podcastawards.com. Use the same login you used to nominate us and vote for us in the comedy category. Vote for Derek and Romaine in the People's Choice and vote for either Derek and Romaine 
or if these ovaries could talk in the uh, LGBTQ category. Thank you. Okay, we need to talk about last week's episode with Sanjaya because uh, I knew this episode might get some attention because Sanjaya was is really one of the more iconic contestants of all time on American Idol. Everyone who was around then remembers him. Everyone knows his name. And usually when a well-known person comes out, it makes some news. I had no idea we were going to get picked up this extensively. Now, JB doesn't even know this yet. Here, uh, I can't list all of them. Here are the biggies that carried this story with links to the podcast. Nice. USA Today, Ooh. NBC News, Whoa. The Today Show, Hello. Extra, yes. People, oh Entertainment Weekly, yes, we. Us Weekly, we here. Billboard, we raking up. two major newspapers from London, The Daily Mail and The Sun, The Advocate, The New York Post, The New York Daily News, BuzzFeed, LGBTQ Nation, Instinct, Queer Tea, and Yahoo News. You definitely got the Gen Zers with BuzzFeed. Right? How fucking crazy is that? As a newfound celebrity, what are you going to do to celebrate? I mean... This gets a one of these. You know what's so funny about this is... I got. A, I heard from a lot of friends, obviously, that were like, "Congratulations!" They're like, "Are you going to get money from this?" And I'm like, "No, no, that's not how this works." <laughs> that's not. <laughs> how this works. I mean, if the we got best, a lot, if we the, got tons of new listeners and yeah. we got advertisers oh, yeah. uh, again, like we used to have, then yeah, that's a the little bit of money. Uh, that's the most best outcome we hope for is listeners, subscribers, or advertisers. Exactly. So exactly. if you're listening and you want to advertise, here I am, <laughs> as one of the spokespersons for Discovery. All yes. I want to say is, if you're listening, Mr. Gilead, please pick up our little show because I've done a commercial for you, and I would rather do another one on the Adam Sanctuary. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Yes, we should be sponsored right? by Discovi and, and uh, any other form of prep, really. Exactly. Um, now, here's what's hilarious. Here's- <laughs> yes. Here's what's hilarious about that particular episode going viral. I didn't realize this at the time, but the first half of the episode was one of the <laughs> filthiest conversations we've ever had. Yes, yes. The theme was Big Dick. Yeah. <laughs> and do we like Big Dick? Do we not like Big Dick? How big should it be? And when I think that there are now like thousands of new listeners who know that JB has really thick cakes <laughs> that require at least nine inches and that that was on the Today Show's website. Like the Today Show was like <laughs> – here, listen to this episode with no warning, no parental advisory. Okay, so now it's I see hilarious. how bad this is. Uh, children of all America, you can't have these cakes, but men of all America, call me. Hey. There you go. So thank you to um, all of the media that covered us, and another thank you to Sanjaya, who I've been in touch with, and he's very pleased um, by all of it. And uh, he may actually go back to the studio now and, and start recording new music for the first time in years, which would oh, be amazing. Wow. Look what you did. Look what I did. I'm like Mother Teresa. You inspire someone. <laughs> Does he need a duet partner? I mean, you should offer or Steve. Fluffer. I should. Yeah. He's too thin for me, but I'll still, you know, I'll be, a, I'll do it with Don't him. Don't be discriminatory yeah, against thin people. I'm not, no, I mean, you're Don't very. Don't you body shame him. I like beautiful, big, thick cakes. Right, JB? <laughs> I, I can't use my words against me. I can't, I can't fight him down. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. That cow goes God, on for too long. aggressive. I know. Okay, let's do, uh, let's go right to recommended viewing. Okay, Gail hit it. I hate this segment. Who gives a fuck what anyone else is watching on TV? This shit sucks. Thank you, Gail. So I spent most of the past week in Summit, New Jersey with my ailing father. (laughs) He's not actually ailing. He's fine for 87, but he's, you know, he's 87 with everything that goes along with that. And my mother uh, went to a wedding on the West Coast with one of my sisters. So I was charged with basically staying with my dad and making sure that he like, you know, got fed and didn't fall in the shower and all that stuff. Um, So I watch TV with him every night, and my father is very specific in his viewing tastes. He mostly likes crime movies and thrillers and crime thrillers. So we watched something together that we both kind of liked called The Informer, uh, which came out in 2019. It was a British movie set in America um, with a very multi- um, national cast, but they all are supposed to be American. So, for instance, Rosamund Pike is the female lead. She's British, but she sounds American in the movie. You guys get the point. Anyway, 
Uh, the star of the movie is this actor I've never seen before named Joel Kinnaman, who was originally from Sweden. Um, he's You should Google Joel Kinnaman. He's one of the sexiest men I've ever seen. He made me moist. <laughs> I was a little uncomfortable watching the movie with my father because I wanted to sick. jerk off. <laughs> but um, anyway, it's a very um, twisty, turny, uh, a kind of exciting crime thriller. And what's interesting about The Informer is when it came out in 2019, it was kind of a bomb. But then it was just released to Netflix a couple weeks ago, and it's become one of the top ten movies on Netflix. So it's getting wow. a second life. Um, so, yes, that is it for me. Uh, let's go to JB. Oh, okay. So I have Toa. And the first one I'm going to recommend <laughs> is, I've enjoyed this very much, is Michelle's Wolf. Uh, fuck. I forgot it. Now I forgot the name. Is this a com- no, oh n- nice lady? There it goes. Called nice lady on HBO Max. Mm. This, this is, is Michelle Wolf's comedy special. Yes, this was right at the height of the election. So yeah, yeah it's there. Yeah, and she was she had been the White House correspondence dinner speaker uh, one year. I'm not a fan of hers. I have to say, <laughs> I think she's a nice person, and I like her viewpoint, but I I just don't enjoy listening to her voice. I okay. <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> it's annoying, but. It's great. I I enjoy it. And then I I started watching this show, the the MacGyver show, not the old MacGyver. I watched right, the, the new, new one, the new one. With you know, with him and his strong ass jawline. <laughs> but based I, on the I, SNL sketch, right? I think so. But I I I fell in love with this one character. Oh no, I'm thinking of MacGruber. Oh yeah. Sorry, go ahead. All right, but I fell in love with this one character. She's a little person. She comes in in the middle of season one, and she is a boss-ass bitch, and I love her. So I've been binging this show. I'm in season three now, and she is the most powerful Do you know the, the actor's name? Uh, no, I don't. All right, you need to do some more I, research I some when more you research, give us but, these you know, recommendations. Once I, once I watch the show and I finish it, that's it. Okay. I'm done. But and the name of that is MacGyver. MacGyver, yes. It's on Paramount+. Plus. So MacGyver and Michelle Wolf's comedy special, Steve Cesaro, oh. go. So there is this great show on Netflix called The Hidden Lives of Pets. <clears throat> Survival in the wild has led these critters to ace athletic abilities. Just try to keep up with the speedy dogs, cats, and all the animals and learn about their private lives. So this... <laughs> more cows. So this is actually really interesting. It's a really quick 20-minute episode. I think it's like... I hate you. I think it's like 8 or 10 episodes episodes total in the season but you learn about like <laughs> parrots are actually super smart <laughs> call, call. they're super smart animals they dance to music and they have like known dances they're also talking about how they're starting to think that think that pets can or dogs actually have human emotions and do speak your language and try and speak whatever language you currently pick so it's um oh. it's very it's a good it's a good sort of uh Deciding. <laughs> no, Jesus. JB, I don't JB have one. you I do don't. too. I sent it to you for the second hour. Oh, that okay. I, I don't have my second hour stuff up. I'm sorry. Anyway, so it's sorry. great. Two you know, minutes, it's Steve, I saw this thing on CNN a while back about this woman who had taught her dog like a hundred words, and oh, yeah. she had this big board that the dog yeah. could step on. I was very skeptical because the dog would be like, the dog would step on like outside. Yeah. And she'd be like, oh, yeah, that we were outside yesterday. Like, it, she, her interpretations of oh. the dog's words could have been anything. Um. She'd be like, what do you most want right now? And he'd be like, house. Yes, you love being in the house. Like, it just was like such bullshit, I think. They felt. did have that woman on, and I, I think she's trained it a little bit better at this point. <laughs> I think she's Because like- if the dog needed to go to the bathroom, it'd go outside bathroom, it'd go outside and go pee. So it does use the board, but it's more complex. She reminded me of one of those psychics who's like... You lost someone, and I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing a woman. Was there a woman that you lost yeah, in your life? Searching. Well, my grandma. Yes, I'm. I'm seeing an older woman. Yeah. Did she walk with some kind of cane or walker? Yes, she did in the last five years of her. Yes, I knew that. Cold it's like reading. A, yeah, it's bullshit. Well, also, you just ruined my show. I've Thank seen you. those things, and I've enjoyed where the where the dogs or the cats curse out the person, It'd be like cunt. <laughs> Treat cut. Like, Shut up, you can't, cut. You can't teach dogs or cats words, so they just go call you cuts. In the future, by the way, I want to get a dog and a cat on this iPad. Gotcha. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start with some good news about monkeypox for a change. Uh, New York City, which has been the epicenter of the monkeypox outbreak, uh, has now seen a steep decline. Uh, at one point, we were seeing 72 new cases daily. Uh, that has now fallen to 11 cases daily. Nice. And this matches with what I've experienced. You know, in the beginning, 
right off the bat, I had three friends with monkeypox, and I was like, oh, fuck, we're all getting this. But then I never knew of anyone else who got it. Yeah. Do you have any friends? Just the ones that you have that aren't necessarily my friends. <laughs> <laughs> JB? Uh, no. I, I mean, first of all, I need friends, number one. So, <laughs> but me, myself, and I, we're fine. <laughs> Actually, I do have one, I remember, and he had a very low-grade case that was not a big deal. So one. Good. Just one. Now, excuse me. Now, the problem with this is uh, we were the ones who got it first, which means it's probably moving. Yeah. And if you're not living in New York, it might be on its way to you. Um, but uh, but more than 29 uh, – okay, so now this part of the article is about racial disparities. Mm. More than 29,000 white New Yorkers have received their monkeypox vaccine compared to 14,769 Hispanic New Yorkers and only 7,575 black New Yorkers. Um, so it, there, there, are, there is this inequity, which we see all the time in healthcare. Also, it tends to be younger age groups getting vaccinated, but that makes sense. Because the younger ones are going to be fucking more than the older ones, unless they're me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've now done this thing where they're going to, instead of giving like a full dose in the fat of your arm, they're going to give you a fifth of a dose in the skin. I saw that. Which means there's going to be five times as much vaccine available. But I'm skeptical, and I'm glad that I've got my two bona fide I got my, vaccines. My two big vaccines that made my arms swell and get hot and it got itchy hot, right? and it hurt. You know what I did learn from this whole one COVID and two monkeypox is one, homosexuals are resourceful. And two, I think we might be one of the best people to figure shit out as fast as we can to protect ourselves. Because, I mean, it could also just be my group of friends. But talking to you, we figured out how to get two shots. I figured right. out how to do it. It's like asking around and figuring out. Same we with are, Well, we've we're definitely resourceful. I think that that comes from, like, <clears throat> when you're shunned your whole life and you're discriminated against, you sort of, like, learn survival. That's right? That's so sad. Like, you learn how to take positive. care of yourself. Yeah. Um, gay men, I think, in general, are more responsible than straight men. Oh, yeah. And we're, like, better at, at taking care of shit. Yeah. Um, no offense, straight guys. I know there's millions that listen to this podcast. <laughs> if anyone out there thinks they're having a bad day, a man in Italy has become the first person in the world to test positive for COVID-19, monkeypox, and HIV all on the same day. You know... <laughs> I know that feeling very well. You do? Oh, yeah. no. Like, when I, when I found out I had HIV, I broke my arm. And also, I had strep throat. Oh, my God. It was, it was not fun. It was that not sucks. fun at all. How, yeah. did, how did, did, was the arm breaking sex related? No, I, my mother pissed me off. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Wrong thing. This was my ankle. <laughs> I, broke, I broke my hand a few, few months later. Oh, my but God. But this is my ankle. I kicked the door. Kicked the door wrong. And something popped in my foot. Ow. Yeah. So when I went to go get checked, the lady, and you know, this is six months, so I usually get my testing done. The lady just came in, was just testing. I was like, oh, you're HIV positive. And then walked out the rip. And I was like, oh. That was how I got the yeah. news, too. I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> and your foot's broken. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus. Well, the unidentified man went to an emergency room after getting small, painful blisters all over his body. After a trip to Spain, where he had had unprotected sex with other men, um, then he tested positive for COVID, monkeypox, and HIV all on the same day. This was on July 6th. Um, you know, this was clearly someone who was sexually active and not on prep. I don't like to blame people for getting illnesses, but come on. Get yourselves on prep if you're, gonna, if you're negative yeah. and you're sexually active. There's no reason to become... Infected with HIV also in this day condoms. and age. You forgot about condoms. Well, hold on, hold I on. But, but, but people don't use them anymore. Italy, which is a very um, heterosexual, formal, or forward country, they might have some shame. And they also might not have access to PrEP yet. It's not everywhere. I know Mexico That's just true. happened like two or That's three years true. ago. That's um, true. This is the first known case of its kind, but I'd be surprised if that hasn't happened to to a few other people. <laughs> like, I mean, poor JB, he got strep, he got the gonorrhea. Well, he strep got, is listen. <laughs> strep is easily treated. Uh, ankles heal. Uh, it's the HIV that you're going to live with for the rest of your life, and then monkeypox. I mean, fortunately, the whole thing about monkeypox is nobody wants it. It's horrible, but for the most part, it's not deadly. 
it doesn't really leave any lasting problems other than like maybe you'll have like a pox scar or two somewhere. Yeah. Um, although there was a story, this is not on the rundown, there was a story about another man in Europe whose nose rotted off. <gasps> what? Because he was, he had been HIV positive for a long time and not not treated for it, so okay. his immune system was shot. So when oh, he got okay. the monkeypox, I mean, there was a picture in the New York Post. I almost threw up. It literally doesn't look like a nose. So, Jesus, take care of yourselves. Yes. Go to your doctor. Make sure you know your HIV status. Take prep if you're negative. Take meds if you're positive. We say this over and over and over again. If you do those things, you're able to handle these other random pandemics that we keep getting fucking hit with like covid and monkeypox or yeah. be like jb say fuck men and don't have sex Aww. it's a little late for that isn't it jamie <laughs> i mean yeah but you know <laughs> honestly also i don't think it's healthy that you're not having sex <sighs> it's not your prostate it's, it's frustrating like seriously talking to guys is so frustrating now and i can't i don't have the time or patience to deal with it well, then, then you need yeah. to talk about that in therapy because you can't spend the rest of your life alone. Today, we, we need to get you. It's Doctor Phil with JB. <laughs> My therapist says that that's okay. I'm okay with feeling that way. <laughs> I would like to see you more socialized. I think you need you need more like friends, like you just said a few minutes ago. Yes. You need to be dating. You need to be fucking. You need to put it out there. You're a young man. You're not even thirty. Do you know what life is like when you're old? When you're old, it's okay to like stay at home and watch TV by yourself every Look day. Look at Adam. You're in the pr I do do that. <laughs> just kidding. Most nights I am alone watching TV and I'm perfectly happy. But Same. but I'm more socially active than you and I've got 22 years on you. It's true. I mean, I guess I I'm just comfortable the way I, the way I am. I'm happy with my life and I Well, you know what? We this past week, I wasn't going to talk about this, but this past week a a a reclusive old man in my building died. Oh in his apartment alone, and his body was not discovered for a very long time. I was fortunately away when this happened, but oh, apparently no. the entire building reeked of death. Oh, no. Do not let this happen to you, JB. That's a cautionary tale, thank yes. you. Okay. All right, en enough of JB. <laughs> enough of JB, back to the rundown. All right, uh, speaking of monkeypox, this week is Southern Decadence Week in mm -hmm. New Orleans. Steve, do you want to explain to the listeners what that is if they don't know? This is a special time for people that enjoy kink, enjoy leather, enjoy naked, hairy, bare, uh, muscle. Uh, Think of you go down and there's no rules. You might be sucking. You might be sucking. You might be voyeuring. You might be JBing, just looking from the outside with wistful determination that you too will be bent over on a, on a rail having a hurricane in your hand <laughs> but basically this is sort of like it's like a version of IML and um, it's like a kink leather outdoor fairish sort of place there's different events that happen um, in New Orleans in New Orleans there's different sort of demonstrations where you can pick your kink and go figure it out I, I think they get it it's so fun. it's a yeah. six so it's a six day <laughs> festival that's been going on since 1973 now I have never been although I hear it's fun the thought of going to New Orleans in early September not only is it so hot and humid but it's like the height of hurricane season no thank you but the food, um, they have delicious beignets and the crawfish and the New Orleans men's. Beignets? I think you mean Benoit's. Oh, yeah. Isn't a beignet, isn't that a medicine you rub on yourself I, when you're yes. sore? Uh, I thought I said beignets. But I guess Maybe the, I'm wrong. Ben, ben, beignet is the... The, 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 the treat, the, the bread yeah. with the sugar. Oh, yes. Okay, not beignet. <laughs> Anywho, so Southern Decadence has canceled an, a free outdoor concert that was supposed to be part of the this six-day um, extravaganza, a five-day extravaganza, due to monkeypox. But everything else is happening as planned. <laughs> and my feeling is the outdoor concert is the least, least of their worries. Threatening <laughs> event when it comes to the spread of monkeypox. Yeah. I mean, th th we're talking about a massive group sex event. I've yes. heard that during Southern Decadence, you can walk into a gay bar in New Orleans and see like a daisy chain on the bar. Really? That's not. <laughs> I gotta go. That's I'm sorry, Steve's leaving. <laughs> that's like a, a chain of guys. It's like a human centipede of fucking. Oh, okay. That's daisy chain. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's see. 
one of the experts in the article says it's, there's really no risk to attend such an event. Um, you know, even if people have their shirts off and they're standing shoulder to shoulder and dancing, it is not nearly, that's not really skin to skin contact. Yeah. Um, this b big outdoor concert was going to have people like Deborah Cox, Jennifer Holliday, and the Weather Girls, all of whom are favorites of mine, and all of whom you can see on an Atlantis cruise anytime you want. <laughs> but, but uh, so I was telling this story to Scott. Hernandez, and he said, oh, you know what? They probably just weren't selling tickets, and they blamed monkeypox. Um, but then I saw that it was a free concert. So there oh. was no way they could have lost any money than any more money than they expected. So who the fuck knows? But all I can tell you is Southern Decadence is happening as planned, and canceling this concert isn't going to do a goddamn thing <laughs> to stop the spread of monkeypox. If you're down there, have fun. But uh, please get vaccinated before you go. Actually, it's too late it's now too late. because ah. the vaccine won't even work in time. Don't go if you're not vaccinated. <laughs> the end. The I'm saying she'll be taking a trip down there next year and doing a live show and performance. Please Maybe see we us will. There. We're, st we're standing here in front of a daisy chain ah. on Bourbon Street. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, how is your evening going? Steve's going great. Steve is part of the daisy chain. <laughs> Probably. And I'm like, hey, guys, this is Steve live from the Adam huh, Sink Show. Hey, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that clip of that of that uh, paratrooper going? <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> the woman getting fucked by the eight paratroopers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like me. Okay. Meanwhile, ha according to a new study, half of gay and bi men have reduced their sexual activity due to monkeypox. Uh. This was a CDC survey, and it found that 48% of online respondents said they had reduced the number of sexual partners. 50% um, said they'd reduced the number of one-time sexual encounters. How do you know it's going to be one time? I think they mean the, first like, the, the anonymous, like, this is the first time. They're probably saying just using the regular fuck buddies instead of, mm -hmm. like... Could know. be. 49% said they had reduced... Uh, the sex with men that they met via dating apps or sex venues. Um, this is all due to fear of monkeypox. Um, making safe choices for yourself and others, uh, one of the researchers said, which includes, for the moment, reducing your number of sexual partners. Um, last week, U.S. officials announced they were rolling out an extra 1.8 million vaccine shots. Um, other health experts say it's a good idea to check your potential sexual partners for any signs of monkeypox lesions, which means if you're in a dark room, take your phone out and turn on the flashlight. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. The show I was watching Super Drag, and there was a dark room, and there was a rule that said never turn a light to the dark room. Are you fucking crazy? Yeah, <laughs> people will scare you like rats. Um, I have to say, I, I was definitely limiting sex. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a few weeks this summer when I was totally celibate. But now that I'm double vaxxed, I'm kind of like, all right. I'm not probably as as uh, slutty as I would be during the summertime yep. in New York. But uh, it's been a slow summer for me. I'm a little afraid of like, I th you know, like the the quickie sort of hookup thing. Mm. One because I'm too nice, and sometimes even if they're ugly, I'll just be like, oh, you know, you'll do. Um, but if they have like a lesion, Same. I don't know if I'll still be like, you'll. To do and then like hope to God I don't get anything like I'm I'm just too nice I don't know and I know that's like my health but I gotta work on that this yeah. is, isn't that what your yeah. husband's for so you don't have to go out there and troll him for monkey pox you exactly. just fuck him but gay guys are horny as hell <laughs> we're gonna go out regardless of whether we're in a relationship or not I think the ones in relationships are the horniest ones. Yeah. I think frankly. they are too. Actually, almost all the married guys are like the most. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I know when I was dating this man I was fucking every every opportunity. You probably wanted more. Yeah, I kept See? fucking him. I mean, yeah, but I, I got it from him. And I was satisfied. Oh, my God. That was a whore. <laughs> All right. Back to the rundown. Uh, everyone knows this is a primary election season across the country, and we just had our second primary here in New York City. Um, we had this fucked up thing happen where, you know, the Democrats in New York tried to redistrict the state in a way that would have been favorable for the Democrats just like Republicans do in all the red states. But in our state, our state Supreme Court overruled it and said, no, we couldn't do that. So even though all these southern states are fucking gerrymandered, we had to redistrict. And that meant that certain long-serving Congress people, 
like Carolyn Maloney were kicked out of Congress because she had to run mm-hmm. against Jerry Nadler, who's another. This is all inside baseball. But the point of this story is one of the people who lost his primary race, unfortunately, is Congressman Mondaire Jones. We've talked about him before on the podcast. He was one of two openly gay black members of Congress, the other one being Richie Torres. Mondaire Jones had to move to a new district to run again, and he was beaten by a guy named Dan Goldman, who you will remember if you watched the first Trump impeachment hearing, he was the lawyer that led the impeachment of Trump. So Dan Goldman's a good guy, but Mondaire Jones was terrific in Congress the two years that he's been there, and it just fucking sucks that he lost his seat because of redistricting. So um, I think we'll see more good things from him in the future, but for now he will be leaving. Fortunately, Richie Torres ran unopposed and he will win his general election in November. Please everyone register to vote if you haven't already and make sure you show up for every election. Uh, finally, Mr. Mann has come out with something called Cockapalooza. <laughs> uh, what they've done is they've, uh, they want people to vote for their favorite penises. Mr. Man is like Mr. Skin from mm-hmm. for gay men. It's it's uh, a website that tracks um, nude scenes involving men. And here are some of the entries into this contest. Now, I don't know all of these. Um, God's Own Country star Josh O'Connor, uh, 22-year-old Antonio Banderas in a rare 1982 movie. Some of these don't have the movie names on them, so I apologize. Theo James in The Time Traveler's Wife. Chris Pine, uh, someone named Adam Demos. Now, I looked at all the pictures. This was on Cocktails and Cock Talk, by the way. Adam Demos, who I didn't know before, has the nicest penis I've ever seen. It's about a foot long. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Google, Google, Google Adam Demos penis. Uh, Juan Carlos Maldonado for something called The Prince. Harry Lottie, uh, a, a dead guy, a late French actor named Gaspard Ulliel. Paul Dawson, uh, who came in his own mouth in a scene in Short Bus, which is a terrific movie if you haven't seen it, and Aaron Taylor Johnson. So Google any of those guys, dick scenes, and uh, subscribe to Mr. Man if you want to vote. Okay, uh, JB, do we have our guests ready? Yes, they're in the room, but I think they're muted. Okay, tell them to unmute themselves. If you guys can hear me, unmute yourselves. And let's try this. For the first time, we are trying this on Zoom, you guys, so uh, anything could happen. Our guests today are a married couple who are well-known on Instagram, where they have literally millions of followers, but they also both have fascinating life stories to tell. An Mikael is an Israeli-born model, actor, TV personality, and entrepreneur, and is the co-founder of MO Underwear. He also once worked as Naomi Campbell's assistant. His husband, Dave partners with On on the underwear company and on his social media content, but in a prior stage of his life, Dave served time in prison for drug trafficking. I bet you didn't see that coming, did you, listeners? They're both joining us via Zoom from their home in Los Angeles, so please give a warm-ass welcome to On and Dave Mikhail. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. How are you? Oh, you both sound so good. Thank you for getting up so bright and early with us. Of course. Well worth it. JB, how are their levels? Good? Now, we were supposed to have you guys in studio, and we were all looking forward to gazing upon your hotness and smelling your, your manly musk, but you, uh, <laughs> you ended up not coming here. So we'll, we'll, we'll make do with Zoom. Yes, we will. It'll still be a good time. All right, let's start. We're going to do this one at a time. So let's start with An, and let's start with your name, because I know An means something in Hebrew, does it? doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it means uh, man's uh, power power um yeah (laughs) and it's not short for anything it's just on yeah no it's it's not short everybody's asking same question all the time no it's just on um yeah tell me about your life growing up in israel oh what can i tell uh i had like honestly like it's i had the perfect life like two brothers sister uh best parents ever um honestly people don't know about israel people think that israel is such a like complicated place but it's not just that it's like honestly amazing place to to be and especially grew up it's a loving everybody loving on can you can, can you just move your mouth just slightly away from the microphone we're getting a little bit of feedback yeah how is it now 
Perfect. Okay. So you were saying? So I'm saying uh, Israel is like kind of people do, people always like assume that it's like, oh my God, so scary and so like weird to live there. But it's not like that at all. What you see in the news, it's not. It's not what it is. It's really a great place to. In other, to in other words, to all we we see violence and we see like bombings and uh, and and military action. But but you had like a basically normal suburban life. Yeah, honestly, I never like really experienced in my twenty. I, I moved to to the U.S. when I was twenty, but in the the twenty years that I lived there uh, full time, I almost never needed to go to a shelter or. I wasn't part of like any crazy wars that that you can see on on the on on the TV here. So thank, thank God. At what point? Yeah. So <laughs> at what point do you come not, out as gay, and what was your family's reaction? Uh, well, I was kind of thrown out of the closet. I didn't come out, but um, I was after I moved here. I started dating uh, somebody, and we lived together. Everybody thought he's my roommate. And it, it was my first love, um, but then, and I really thought it was going to be like forever, but um, he broke up with me and it's kind of like, you know, the first love broke my heart. Uh, I called my mom crying without even telling her what's happening. She knew and she flew the same night to New York to, to help me out and get me, get me all, all back in, in the game. And yeah, it, they were like the most loving people. And I didn't expect that. I was afraid to come out. My dad is a very strict person. Um, but thank God I have my mom. And she kind of, you know, maneuvered the whole the whole story and everybody. <laughs> so your family's not super religious? No, not at all. It's just like, let's say to be gay in israel like yes it's it's a it's, it's very like easy and like it's one of the most like gay like tel aviv is one of the most gay cities i know but people like my dad they're like 60 something like for them um it's hard to accept it let's say that way so yeah um, i i think people think of israelis as always being super religious in fact most of the country is secular but they're still you know some some very traditional ideas about sexuality and and so forth and i also think being jewish you know i'm jewish it, the most important thing in the world is to have children right yes <laughs> so th that's a big deal i think when they're when parents have gay kids is they're like where are my grandkids going to come from yeah no i mean my mom oh, like still pushing us to like me and, and dave to 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 bring kids and my dad also but uh that wasn't like the thing. I feel like my dad was, he's more of like, you know, he's a businessman, like old fashioned. He just didn't want people to talk negative about him, about his family or about me. So like, that's how, like, I knew that like his fear was coming from, but I guess he didn't fear that much because my mom uh, really like told him it's all like you accept it or like you won't have a child. And my dad will never like abandon any of us. So. So you moved to New York at 20 and you go study to become an actor at the Lee Strasberg Institute. Um, at what point, at what point do you start underwear modeling? And at what point do you become Naomi Campbell's assistant, which is fucking crazy to me. So I was, I finished my army in, in Israel uh, a bit earlier than all of my friends for, for health reasons. And then I didn't know what to do with myself. So I just had the audition and applied for the acting school. Um, and when I got accepted, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go. All of my friends are in the army. So I, I, I thought that I'm coming here doing two years study and, and going back home. But, uh, obviously once you move to New York, you are never moving anywhere else right. besides LA. But, <laughs> um, and then, um, I, during school, I was always like this person that's like, I'm not going to be a student and not do anything with my life. So I was on a student uh, visa. And I couldn't work, but then I knocked on every modeling agency and every acting agency and kind of like the modeling people took me with open arms, especially for like under underwear, like jobs and, and gigs and stuff like that. And I honestly modeled for every underwear company you can imagine. Um, and then 
like just look books and 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 catalog pictures and i just one day my parents came to new york and they're like okay my dad is a businessman he was like i'm just tired of hearing that you're going to auditions not getting it just start your own company i'll support you let's do it what do you want to do and as a 21 years old gay boy in in new york i didn't know anything else besides underwork so i went with that and and ever since then this is like you know this is my life um i want to ask about the underwear company but first tell me how you hook up with naomi campbell <laughs> so again i was while i was in school and working on the underwear company i feel like that's how i am i like to work i like to hustle i like to find more things to do and i started to work with this uh modeling agency that uh naomi was represented by and one day when we were sitting in the office uh they were talking about naomi and how like her day is so busy and she didn't have an assistant so i was like oh my god i should just be her assistant and not be here right now and then everybody kind of looked at me and they they knew that they told me basically if somebody can do this job is you are you sure and i was like uh hell yeah like you know i grew up on on her she's she's my icon uh, especially in model, like if you if you like fashion and modeling she's she's the queen um and ever since then like a few days after i met with her and we never separated for a long long time <laughs> so the the stories about naomi campbell mistreating her assistants are legendary you have no bad stories about her you had a great experience with her listen everybody is is complicated but yes i would say i like i can't talk much about my 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 time with her but i'll say that like i never experienced anything bad um like you know other than the normal that you experience with every single person in your life you never like, had a phone a like, you never had a phone thrown at your head no i wish <laughs> i wish that i had a story like that i'll take this phone and be happy with 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 it but but no i don't like honestly like i think i'll still stand behind what i'm saying and she she's one of the most amazing people i ever met wow love her to death forever and tell her to yeah. tell her to come on this podcast we'd love to talk <laughs> I to will. her all right so on so you founded uh, mo underwear with your ex and yes, correct the one that broke my heart from the story earlier yes <laughs> and you appear together in an instagram reality series called putting on as in yes. putting you putting on get it and uh <laughs> and before before shooting even starts you guys break up so how awkward was that experience shooting this television show together after he just broke your heart so we this we thought to like create a documentary about about the the company just for marketing purposes and i hire you know like i start working with producers from LA they flew all like they were planned to to fly all the way to new york to be with us to start filming and then a week before he broke up with me so everything was kind of planned and we couldn't cancel it even though i wanted but everybody around me my family like the team that i was working with everybody just say you know what this is this is meant to be it sh- it should be a reality show not a documentary because there is so much so much drama here and i said okay sure let's do it i mean it was awkward you can see in in season to be honest i never watched this show <laughs> the the second season is with Dave so obviously I was more involved but the first season the thing that you saw on Instagram uh, I never watched it because it was kind of like painful to watch sure. me yeah uh just to, to see myself cry. no like not in a place of like it was yes it was hard to film it because it was so many people uh so many cameras and so many like cruel people in the most intimate times when I I didn't know how to like engage with with my ex uh so I just didn't want to watch it um but yeah it was the start of something so again i'm thankful for it all right well now i'd like to switch the conversation a little bit and talk with dave uh and day and i should mention that i met the two of you uh over pride weekend at a big party in new york called meet and i just struck up a conversation with you both because you were hot um but then it turned out you were really interesting <laughs> um and either though neither of you wanted to have sex with me you did want to talk to me so uh dave let's let's go to you you were raised in eastern pennsylvania right 
Uh, more central. I was I was raised in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And you had like a normal upper middle class upbringing, right? Yeah, for sure. It was like um, white picket fence, picture perfect America. I had one sister. My parents were together since they were 17. They're still together. So it was like good old America still running on fumes. So it, it, was, it was great. I, I, had, I had a wonderful childhood. When do you come out as gay and how do the people around you take it? Um, so I kind of slowly came out. I, um, specifically when I graduated high school, I moved to Philly. That's kind of like one of the top destination cities when you live in Pennsylvania to get to. And I knew that that would kind of provide a more, a safer, a safer space for me to come out and to kind of explore that aspect of myself. So, um, I came out when I was like 21, just graduating college. And um, I mean, I had a good experience. I mean, you know, as with most people, a lot of your coming out experience is based on fear and anxiety, things that haven't happened and that won't end up happening, but you're just in, in, you're stuck in your mind. So, you know, I had a nice reaction. My parents were super supportive um, and it was great. So how does a kid with an idyllic upbringing, college graduate, family accepts him for being gay, how do you get into drug trafficking? Uh, so, I mean, I think for me, a lot of it really was about, it wasn't about other people not accepting me. It was about me not accepting me mm. throughout the course of time. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like every gay kid kind of, you know, has his own different, but eerily similar experience as like, as their peers do, depending on, you know, the time and place you grew up and, and things of that nature. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I think that for me, it was just about I had like really early experiences as a young kid, kind of having to like have other people question my masculinity and, and you know, just who I am as a person and living in central Pennsylvania at that time. It was like, you know, nobody was gay. Everybody was straight. Everybody was butch. And I just really the conversation wasn't yet started about all the different ways that you can approach gender and identity and just how you feel about yourself. And, you know, the rules were more black and white back then. So for me, it was just about, I got to a point in my life, time and place where I needed money and I graduated college and I was like working in the criminal justice system. That was what my degree was in um, as a social worker, but, you know, I wasn't really, making it in the way that I felt like I should. And that was part of the problem growing up where I did and having as not a silver spoon in my mouth, but having everything I wanted, I, I felt entitled. And that was kind of like the, you know, the chauvinistic white patriarchal male that I am, unfortunately, in some cases was kind of like exuding in that, at that point. And so. Um, in, other word, in other words, you felt like you were entitled to be making more money than you were making. Yeah. But but also, I mean, I, I can't, you know, ignore circumstance. And I graduated college in like when the recession was just like, you know, really bubbling up. And, 2008. You know, no get, yep, 2008. No one could get a job. Everyone was moving home. Um, you know, so, so things weren't great at, at baseline, but it was also like, well, fuck, like, why don't I deserve? Why don't I have more? You know what I mean? I did what I was supposed to do. And here I am like struggling still. So do you, like. Do you start out as like a low level? What, what were you selling? Pot? Yeah, I only, yeah, so I really only ever sold pot. I mean, I've always been like a raver and like into like drugs in general. So like if I had my hands on other stuff and I knew a client well, sure, I would help them out in something. But, you know, pot was my deal. Like that was what I did. Do and you, so do you start yeah. out low level and then eventually grow into like a trafficker? Yeah, exactly. So I hooked up with a friend um, from college. He was one of my few straight male friends in college, but like we were boys. And so he was my weed dealer and he was just, you know, selling me eight quarters, you know, low amounts. And so um, we ended up kind of crossing paths again later through a mutual acquaintance, like a year or two after we graduated and the tables had turned for him and he needed a connect and I had a connect. So like I kind of ended up serving him some larger amounts, but long story short, I also, so I got kind of into bed metaphorically with him on larger amounts, but then I also started my own delivery service side hustle that I just took from the, actually my friends in New York City. Like they introduced me to like how they got their weed and I was living in Philly. 
And so I just kind of brought that model down and like started my own delivery service. So you get caught. Yes. And you get arrested and you get sentenced. To, you serve what, 11 months in prison? Yeah, so I actually got caught twice. So I caught my first case in Pennsylvania in 2012. And then in the next year, 2013, I ended up doing a three-month county sentence, which was kind of just like a little slap on the wrist. But um, then while I was on parole for that case, I got caught jumping state lines over to New Jersey and I was trafficking a lot, a lot of weight. And so... I, I got myself all fucked up. So then I, I, that case in New Jersey ended up doing um, about 12 months on that. So altogether, I did like 15 to 16 months between the two cases. So when we first met and you were telling me this story, the first question I asked you was, did you get raped in prison every day? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you said, never. It never happened. No. So how no. does a beautiful young blonde boy serve a year in prison in like a tough prison. Like we're not talking about yeah. the county lockup. We're talking about like, it was, that was a federal prison, right? No, it wasn't federal. Um, it was a state facility. So um, how do you, spent, how do you not get just destroyed yeah. there? <laughs> I mean, you have to understand, you know, as with a lot of things in life, stories are glamorized, you know, or it, I'm not to say that prison rape is glamorous, but no. like, you know, it, it people invoke a lot more bullshit into reality to trump it up and make it more interesting. And like, they'll use the idea that something that could possibly happen to you happens all the time. And like, you know, it's something I also studied in school. Like, yes, rape culture is very much part of prison culture. But, you know, I learned early on that, you know, the way you move accounts for everything in life and like you only have one chance to make a first impression on people and usually that impression sticks so they don't know shit about you so for me it was really about you know i wasn't out in prison i wasn't like you know sashaying around the day room like you, you pretended know, you pretended you had a wife right yeah i did i had so i had a beard in there so i pretended i had a wife i had a friend that a very good friend at the time that you know we were super close and like she helped me out in various ways you know whether she was organizing money for my books or you know just keeping in contact with me and so um yeah I, especially when i did my 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 sentence for new jersey my last one i hatched the whole plan about how like she would send me like you know, little like not nudes, but like, you know, graphic photos that I could put in my locker and just so like, you know, passive, like, you know, evidence that, you know, you don't need to question, you know, certain things about me. Because if you life. were openly gay, you, there was a more of a chance that that you would have been raped. Not raped, but just you get you get you get heckled. You know what I mean? You get you get either ragged on or you just, you know, you, you open up a vulnerability that doesn't do anything positive for you during your stay there. You but, know what I mean? But you also told me that because you were a short timer and yeah. everyone knew that, you were less likely to be a victim. Explain that. Yeah. So, I mean, because I'm, I was a short timer, you have to understand, like, other people were also short timers also. You know, this doesn't account for – so it, it, it can go for either when you're in a county jail. So a county jail – you won't be serving more than 12 months if you're actually sentenced. But most people, you know, it's a revolving door in a county jail. They spend weeks to a few months in, in a county jail waiting because they're in the early stages of their criminal justice proceedings. So they have one foot out the door almost when you're in a county jail, sometimes, depending on your circumstances. So, like, to get into a situation outside of, you know, maybe, like, a, a fight or something like that where it's, like, you know, the consequences are dire and, like, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of the men come in there and they know they're going to jump out on the street in two months and get pussy or, or dick or whatever they're into. So it's like, why, why get busted? Why get yeah, busted? For... Why get busted? But like, I'm not like, especially if you're a straight male, like, what's the point of diving into to like a sea of dicks when you know that you like, you can just jack off for a few weeks and then get out and, you know, do what you want to do. Right. So like, so there's that aspect of it. But then also when I was sentenced in, um, for state prison in New Jersey, uh, I, I still had like a lower sentence than, you know, other people. And so I was sent to like also a lower, a lower security classification. And, and so less, less dangerous inmates, it's not necessarily less dangerous people, but like, yes. So overall, yes, less dangerous people because they had, 
a shorter sentence, but also it could have been people coming off of higher sentences that got moved down in security level where you know, only had maybe like a year or two left on their sentence. So they went to minimum security knowing that they're going to be transferred out and, and released on parole in, you know, two, two Got more it. years. So Got it. everybody has a foot out the door. So basically. you, okay. So you get out of prison, what, in like 2010? No, uh, so 2017 is when I got out. So it wasn't that long. Fairly ago, recently. But... So when, uh, how much longer after that do you guys meet? Uh, honestly, like three weeks. <laughs> and you met on Grinder, right? No, no. We met on Tinder. Tinder. Okay. Yeah. So we were looking for love. Not, looking not for love. Kidding. Now, <laughs> now, on, if I met a guy and he told me I just got out of a year in prison for drug trafficking three weeks ago, I would be a little hesitant. <laughs> but I've heard you say you knew he was going to be your husband the first moment you hugged him. Yes. Yes, I did. I mean, I actually said that. How embarrassing is that? <clears throat> in the first time I saw a person, I told him that. But uh, it worked. <laughs> How were you not wary, uh, to say the least, about his, his prison record? I mean, I, I won't say I wasn't because if you, if, if you knew, like today, I'm much more like of an open-minded person that I like. He definitely changed me in any certain, like in every aspect in life, not just about that. But if like, I didn't know the, what's the word parole means because it, English is my second language. I never heard the word parole. So when he said on the Tinder, I was like, sure, whatever. I don't know. What is it? <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, meet, I'll meet you tonight. It was like a busy day. Like it's work. I was like, he was like super high. I really thought it's going to be a hookup because I was in a place in my life that I, I was over, like over guys. I didn't want to date nobody. I was like, I'm going to do me and live the best life right now. Um, but that that's always when, when you, when you meet your, your other half yes but i said like okay i'll go there he's super hot like honestly the the hot it's like it's exactly what i i wanted and then i took this uber ride to new jersey which i never i never went to new jersey <laughs> i never left the island let's say that right way. um and then i googled on the way what parole means and then i was like oh shit but then i was like okay i'm gonna i mean as long as if he didn't kill nobody <laughs> I, I don't care. I mean, well, that's true. I mean, selling selling weed is probably like the 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 least someone can something someone can do to get into prison, right? Like, it's like not a it's talk about a nonviolent victimless crime. Yeah, it's not a thing because it can't hurt nobody. It's not even like hard drugs like that right. can kill somebody. It's like nothing. So I was very thankful to know that this is the story, but. I kind of knew that he, I think that he told me something about that it's not that serious. So, you know, I, I figured it's going to be a story. Um, but I didn't care when I came, when I went there, because again, I thought I'm going to like have the, the best time and go home. How I much, think about how, how much longer how after that did you guys get married? Uh, like two years, a year and a half, but we got engaged like very quick. Wow. Well, was it? Do you remember? Um, I maybe like I think maybe we got engaged like uh, almost a year after, and then got married a year and a half after. So yeah. it was quick, but it wasn't like oh god, like head spinning. <laughs> All right, we have just about a minute left. Um, a couple very quick ask me no questions for you guys. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. When are you starting an OnlyFans? Uh, uh, they. We already did. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Can people watch that? Is it up? Yeah. What's it, how do you subscribe? What's it, what do you guys what are your names on OnlyFans? Um it's just on and Dave. All right. Well, I will that's, be subscribing today. Uh would you ever consider having a three-way with a 51-year-old podcast host? Such a slut. <laughs> We're never of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys, you can uh, purchase MO Underwear at MOUnderwear.com. It looks like Mounderwear. Um, how can people follow you online? Give your socials. Um, my social is I am on Mikhail on Instagram and kind of everywhere. It's the same name. And, Dave. and actually, Dave, Dave is not on social media because uh, he never had and now he's not allowed to. 
<laughs> so uh, so you can find him on my pages. You can see them both on, uh, on I Am On McCall. You guys, thanks so much for getting up early. Next time we want you in studio and in my bed. Stephen, JB, plug yourselves. I am Cub Mexi on Instagram and Steve Cesaro Medina on Facebook. Stalking Anarchy 12 only on Instagram. And I am Adam Sank. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram, at Adam Sank. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. We're back next week with comedian Emma Willman. Email me anything you want at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye. Bye.